Well, it is a brand new month here, and it is time for a brand new episode of Any Given Friday. Thanks for listening. My name is Justin Hubbard. I'm the sports editor slash news reporter of Lake Oconee News, and I'm joined as always by Will Petty, and uh, glad to have you back, Will, and uh, glad to be back on our normal schedule this week. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm glad that uh, this keeps on going through. So this week we're going to have sort of an abbreviated show. Uh, we got a lot to get into as far as some pretty big news out of the NCAA and, of course, a recap of last weekend's NFL draft. No wrestling, though. No wrestling. No wrestling. Uh, frankly, the only reason I didn't include anything is because I have not watched a lick of wrestling in about three weeks. Me either. I've, I've been watching Dark Side of the Ring a lot, though. Yeah, i got to get caught um, up on that, too. So far, it's been great. I hear good things. I've seen a few of the episodes, but I'm, uh, I'm excited to catch up on that, too. So let's uh, start off today by discussing the NCAA. It appears, and there are very solid reports of this that's coming out of an official meeting within the NCAA, that the league is going to – you know, create an avenue for players, you know, across all the sports to take advantage of their image and likenesses and earn a little bit of money through, you know, merchandising, advertising, whatever the case may be. What, what do you think about the fact that we are at this stage now where the NCAA itself, a committee of people who have discussed this, brought this before the NCAA and said, it's time to do this? Well, you know, it's, uh, I think it's been a long time coming. Uh, I didn't think it would happen this fast. Um, you know, I thought we were still about three to five years out of anything like this. But uh, I guess when there's not a lot of other things going on, uh, you have the opportunity to uh, sit down and discuss a lot of pending issues that the can has been kicked on. And this just happens to be one of them. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad it's now being discussed. If I'm not mistaken, they're saying it would be as soon as this coming season or is it the season after? Uh, I think I read 2021-2022 school year, yeah. Okay, so next year. Yeah, so, I mean, are we be, the good news is we're looking at NCAA 22 now. No, so, uh, that, no there's a major roadblock with that. Uh-oh. Yeah, so – this is, in my opinion, a great step for athletes having rights and whatnot. This is the main argument I've been making for many years now. It's their name. It is their face. Let them benefit from it. The problem with the NCAA video games is going to be the fact that they have to have a singular group negotiate those costs and, and uh, paydays and whatnot. So, because union, there's, there's no union for the student athletes, there's no singular entity. So, there is a, a big, big roadblock right there. I think that's going to get cleared. I think that's just going to take some time. And it's going to take a, a pretty significant fundamental change at NCAA. Okay. So, right now, what we're more or less talking about is uh, we don't have to worry about Spaghetti Gate and we don't have to worry about, um, you know, if, like, a player wants to um, be in a car commercial, like, that's that's fine. If Rodrigo like, Blankenship to... had a pair of glasses that he wanted to promote, he could promote them. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Okay. So. All right. So, I mean, yeah, you know, obviously, uh, I think this has been a long time coming, and I'm glad it's happening. And, you know, let's just see where it goes. Obviously, I like the fact that they're giving it one more year and the reason why I like that is it gives them time to work out the kinks um, make sure that they have it um, set up to where you know these players aren't going to be you know I think we can all agree they don't need like NFL sized contracts on some of these ads sure. like we don't need we don't need Joe Burrow going to Nike and making $950,000 on a commercial when he's still at LSU you know but uh you know, I do think beyond that, um, yeah, it's, you know, I, I think it's a great step forward, like you said. And to your point about this happening in such short order, this is at least our fifth or sixth discussion about this kind of stuff 
on this podcast specifically. And the pod has only been around, what, three-plus years now, something like that? So a relatively short amount of time has passed, and there have been several significant developments in this situation for us to talk about here. And I'm pretty astounded that it's gotten to this step so quickly. And it sounds like the NCAA is going to kind of put the screws to whoever needs to, you know, ratify all this. And they're wanting it done, uh, an official proposal done to get it ready for next year for 2021 to take effect there. So I like that too. I like the fact that they're not going to drag their feet, supposedly not going to drag their feet and, and make this drawn out longer than it needs to be. Now, this is going to be a thing where it's going to be uniform across the NCAA or is it going to be one of those things where all of a sudden the Big 12 can be like, well, we don't like this part, so our athletes can't participate in this. And SEC says, well, our athletes can't do this rule or whatever. Have you talked about that aspect? Yeah, I think that's what they're trying to avoid. So I'm okay. 90% sure this is going to be broad-based, open to any NCAA athlete. So there's no argument that, okay, the NCAA, you're paying the college football players more than you're playing the lacrosse team or the track team, you know, stuff right. like that. So, yeah, I think it, I think it's just going to be you have a license to take advantage of your name and likeness. Go do it. That's my understanding of it. Of course, this could all morph as they work out these proposals, and whenever this does get officially ratified, it could look completely different, but who knows. All right, well, last week we recorded a day early so that we could preview the NFL draft, one of the most anticipated NFL drafts ever. I think that's fair to say. And the ratings back that up. There was something like 16 million people watched round one last Thursday. Incredible. What did you think about the broadcast? What did, what did you like and dislike about the broadcast itself of the 2020 NFL draft Thursday through Saturday? You know, um, there was a lot of uh, hit and miss. Um, I liked seeing sort of like every, you know, I like seeing all the GMs and all the coaches had their own different setups. Uh, I mean, I, I laughed as hard as just about anyone else did when it came to uh, <laughs> um, Bill Belichick and his Husky. Uh, Jerry great. Jones on his, and then Jerry Jones on his yacht. Yeah. I mean, you know, all that stuff was good to see. Um, but, uh, you know, Obviously, some elements are missing. Uh, the main thing that I um, – my main complaint is just how long the draft took, especially night one. I mean, it seemed to – you know, usually – I mean, we, we know it takes a while because, you know, you're thinking about uh, 10 minutes between draft picks and you're doing 32 the first night. I mean, you're looking at about four hours or so, well, five hours or so. But – um it sort of seemed like there was a. It seemed like it was going on a little bit longer at first. That they were going beyond the ten minutes. So uh, I don't know if that was like a technical difficulty or if it was a, um, you know, just a problem with uh, how they were running it. But you know, I I wasn't a fan of how long night one took. Beyond that, though, I mean, I really didn't have any many complaints. I I enjoyed seeing the way they handled it. Um, I liked, um, not having like, you know, insert band here playing between the sets or between the picks. Um, I liked kind of seeing like everybody kind of be with their family. I think it's more like a very important time in their career. And, you know, I think being with their family is just as important as being on stage at the thing. Um, so, I mean, you know, it was different. Uh, I think for what they did, it was great. Um, you know, obviously we were all fiending for anything that was sports-related, and they they did their job. But, you know, I'm hoping that um, they can maybe find a way to balance out a couple of these things next year to where we get some from the past and maybe take some of these moving forward elements. Yeah, I was a big fan of the broadcast, all things considered. You mentioned how long it took. Night one was such a, a, a plotting night because 
the first pick didn't come in until almost eight thirty, and the broadcast started. The broadcast started eight, and yeah. they had the the little PSA about the coronavirus. They had the the national anthem for some reason. Bunch of crazy stuff happening that was just. It's like we were watching WrestleMania. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's, that was a thought that I had. It was like they are going through so much pop and circumstance. It feels like WWE WrestleMania, and. It was way too much. We don't need that. Let's, you know, I understand take five to ten minutes to set the stage. They have to do that for the broadcast. And then let's get the show on the road. They, they yeah, we don't need to wait. You know, like with Cincinnati, it's like uh, y'all had six months to figure out who y'all going to pick. Well, that's the we problem every year. We need <laughs> that's a the problem we have every year. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. just go ahead and say with the first pick of the pick draft, Cincinnati picks Joe Burrow because we yeah. already know. You're, there's no one else you're deciding between. Like, we yeah. know you're going with Joe Burrow. Yeah. Uh, other than that, I loved uh, Roger Goodell's personality. I know a lot of people thought he was really cheesy, but I got a kick out of it. I, I thought he's – I thought it's the most human that he's ever looked. You know, and I like him more today than I ever have because of this. So. And they still booed him. Yeah, that was, that was some of the cheesiness that I didn't really care for. <laughs> Uh, the, the biggest issue, though, and, and I don't know how much of it you actually watched. Um, by the way, there were some performances. I think those were uh, Friday night and Saturday. Because I remember at one point I tuned in and Luke Bryan was playing. So there were a couple of those, but not, not too many. But outside of all those little nitpicky things, one thing that was absolutely inexcusable was the way ESPN exploited the players' personal lives. I don't know how much of that you saw. That was, oh, yeah. that was, but they do that every year. They've never done it like that, though. I mean, they'll, they'll mention personal things that they overcame, but it's like every guy drafted, especially Thursday night, had to have some kind of tragic backstory that was, you know, exposed and, and discussed by ESPN. That was, that was too much. I don't think those topics should be the focus during the draft. Yeah, and no, I agree with you on that. Well, but the other thing that I was going to say uh, as far as the uh, draft stuff went was um, what were your thoughts on uh, how they handled sort of the, the screen with the fans on each thing? Was that cheesy to you or was that sort of just like, hey, it's cool they tried this? I'm glad they tried to do something because I think you mentioned that last week. It's such a staple of the draft every year. You go to those cities and regardless of where it is, you have fans from every single team in that building. They are making noise. Except the Chargers, apparently. Said who? The Chargers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they couldn't uh, even fill up their screen. They did that a couple of times with a few different teams, but then at other times they had fans on there from the draft picks. I think it was just really inconsistent. I, I didn't watch and pay attention enough to really notice. Um, but, yeah, I, I thought I appreciated the effort. But at the same time, I didn't really like it. You know, yeah. I, I thought it was a little too, a little too cheesy. It felt like something that Disney might do for a Disney Channel watchathon or something. I don't know. I, I didn't. It didn't. It didn't really hit well with me. But I appreciated the fact that Goodell played it up the first four or five picks, and after that, it was kind of over. You know, he was talking to him at a few points, but he didn't try to make the broadcast focus on on that element of it so much. I thought it was pre-taped. I was convinced that every bit of those fan videos was pre-taped until I saw a tweet with, I believe, a Denver Broncos cheerleader. Apparently, at one point, they put the cheerleaders up there. And somebody who was in the house with her started with their cell phone filming on the TV in the living room and made their way into her apartment bedroom or wherever. And she was there in uniform doing the little cheers and stuff. So yeah, I, I appreciated the fact that they didn't skip out and pre-record all that. But at the same time, I thought it was it was an element we didn't really need. Well, when you brought up the uh, the uh, watch and thought and all that, the immediate thing I thought about is uh, if you donate $500, you can get one of the screens that will be focused on the TV. For $1,000, <laughs> Roger Goodell will talk to you. Of course, if they did it like that, it was going to be way more than $1,000. I mean. Of course. I am curious to know how those fans were selected. Well, I noticed the majority of them were cheerleaders. Were they? Seemed like I, 
it seemed like every single team it had at least two or three cheerleaders on the thing. Because, I mean, you mentioned a TikTok video with the Broncos. I saw another one with Cardinals. So, I mean, they were – a lot of it was that. Uh, but I'm sure, you know, they, they had enough passionate fans that they, they had some in place. And I'm sure just given the way internet service works in America, they had alternate people oh, yeah. that were coming in if, like, something – like if someone just cut go three or whatever. Yeah, I, I'm I'm really interested to hear the backstory of how all that came together. As much as I didn't really care for it. Thirty for thirty. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> well, we, we discussed the broadcast at large. But let's talk about our favorite teams. For anybody who may not know, somehow you are a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, and I'm a diehard Dallas Cowboys fan. Uh, I think we're coming in on opposite ends of the spectrum. I'm yep. really, really excited to hear what you have to say about your Steelers and the fact that they didn't take the next QB1. F minus. <laughs> All right. It's not, it's not even the fact that they didn't take a QB1. It's the fact that they didn't make any effort at all to try to get a first-round pick. I mean, granted, we traded for Minka, and that was a, you know, that was a good call for Pittsburgh at the time. Right. But you mean to tell me that as stacked as round one was – you, you weren't going to try to make an effort to trade with at least one team to see if you could move up or kind of find someone instead of letting all these other people go. Um, I thought their first pick that they finally made in what – it might have been late round two. It might have even been round three. I, if I'm not mistaken, I mean, they only had six picks. They had. Um, for the whole draft. I've got them pulled up. They had one, two. You're correct. They had six. Their first pick was round two, pick number 49. Chase Claypool, wide receiver out of Notre Dame. Yes, that was a good pick. I will, yeah. you know, I will give them a, Definitely. I'll give them a B plus for that pick. All right, but we did not get a quarterback, and that is something we desperately needed. Um, we did get a running back because you know Connor's been flaky, but um, you know, it, time will tell if that is RB one material. Um, it definitely won't be this year. Maybe two or three years down the road. Um, but our defense is pretty solid. Um, so, you know, I don't think that, you know, obviously we have a number of free agent picks that we can pick at the end of the draft of the people that, you know, maybe use that for your defense. But it just sort of seemed to me that, you know, a lot of people are concerned about the QB depth. Uh, you just had Dobbs. Uh, he's no longer at um, Pittsburgh. Um no one likes Rudolph. <laughs> so, like, well, we know that from know, the, okay. the we know that from the decades-old song. Nobody liked Rudolph. They they wouldn't even let him join any reindeer games. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, and we and we learned how you guys and we learned how you guys red nose last year. <laughs> but um, so you know, I <laughs> you know, it's a uh, concern. Uh, it's a really sad stab of Ferris and Pittsburgh when the smartest pick we could do right now is make Andy Dalton our QB2. Uh, Pittsburgh, don't listen to me. Don't do that. Please, for the love of God, don't do that. <laughs> um, but, you know, you just – at this point, you know, time is running out on having a good quarterback. Uh, you saw what happened with New England. You don't want to be New England next year, you know, and – Suddenly, lose Roethlisberger, have no one really that can step up to that QB one position. This was their opportunity to really make that happen, and they dropped the ball. So, we'll, you know, we'll see what happens. Maybe they figure out something during the regular season. But, man, I mean, talk about a missed opportunity. Uh, you know, I'd say that finest, but if I'm going to be realistic, I, I would give my team a D plus. I mean, because Claypool was a good pick. Uh, getting another run back, decent pick, but I mean, it was lackluster. So we're going. How about your D Cowboys? Though? We're going from how about them Cowboys? Yeah, we're going from a D plus to an A plus. Dear Lord in heaven, I don't know how we got this kind of a draft, but I y'all need to make a farm it. league team in Norman. What's that? Y'all need a farm league team in Norman. <laughs> yeah, the Dallas Sooners. Yeah, there you go. So it started off round one 
with C.D. Lamb, former Oklahoma wide receiver. He fell all the way to 17th. That is a yes. shock. And I understand teams had other needs, but I thought after about pick seven or eight, that's when the receivers would start going. And it did happen for a couple of them because I think Ruggs and Judy were gone. But, I mean, good Lord, how did Lamb fall so far? I mean, this guy had over – he had almost 3,300 yards receiving and 32 touchdowns in only – Three seasons. Three. That's incredible. Granted, it's the Big 12. That is true. But still, I'm just so thrilled about his potential alongside Dak Prescott, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, Ezekiel Elliott, and Tony Pollard. And speaking of Zeke, this is the most excited I've been about a Cowboys draft pick since they took Zeke in 2016. Incredible night one. I I could not have been more excited. And then they come Uh out round two. They get Trayvon Diggs from Alabama. Round three, they got Neville Gallimore from Oklahoma, another Sooner. Round four, Reggie Robinson, the second out of Tulsa. Round five, Tyler, Tyler Biotish, uh, center out of Wisconsin. Bradley Anai in round five, that was a, a pretty good steal there too. And Ben DiNucci, the quarterback from James Madison, was their last pick. And all of those people up until I think the uh, – Ben Danucci pick. I think all but the, the last one, Danucci. I believe I've read that all of them graded higher than their than where they were picked by the Cowboys. So they they stole every one of these guys. And I mean, Pro Football Focus, for example, ranked Lamb uh, sixth, and they got him seventeenth. Yeah. Diggs was ranked thirty first. Gallimore was fifty first. I saw that after uh, night two. And on the whole, Pro Football Focus graded Dallas with an A-plus on this draft. I completely agree. Good luck to the NFC East because if all if the Cowboys play their chips right, and I'm trying not to get too excited because I usually do this to myself and, you know, they go 8-8. Eight eight. But if they play their <laughs> chips right, if they play their cards right, there's no way Dallas should lose the East this year. Philadelphia had a lackluster draft. Washington's a terrible team. They're years away from being competitive. And so are the Giants, I think. I think the Giants are, are going to be a middle-of-the-road team for this year, possibly even next year. So it's, it is wide open for the, the Cowboys taking to win the, the East this year. And the fact that they also lost, uh, dropped Jason Garrett along the way for Mike McCarthy, that's an automatic upgrade. And yeah. after last week, man, I'm just – I'm praying we get a football season, period. And if we do, when we do, I just can't wait for it to start because it's going to be a great year for Cowboys. We, uh, and I feel like, uh, you know, I ain't going to say uh, Cowboys are uh, are a top contender, but, yeah, they, they have the East locked, I think. I mean, I don't – I Philadelphia got in by sheer luck last year, let's be honest. You know, everybody makes all the jokes about the Cowboys, but, you know, up. Uh, a uh, slightly better coach than Jason Garrett could have had that team at easily 11 and five. Yeah. So, you know, I think that uh, with McCarthy coming in, you know, I think there's going to be a couple stumbling blocks. It's his first year, of course. Um, but I, I mean, I think a 10 and six record and, you know, making the wild card, making a wild card appearance is realistic for the Cowboys this year. Um, I just, you know, given that uh, Redskins are, far off from being anywhere near competitive. Um, I think the Giants and Eagles are going to battle it out for second place. And, I mean, I think either team could be eight and eight, nine and seven at best. But, I mean, unless something really weird happens, uh, I can see Cowboys going 10 and six and being six and oh in their division. So, um, that's, that's a lot more than I can say about Pittsburgh. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm so excited, man. That was that was a fun experience the other night. Because like I told you last week, normally for the draft, I watch round one that I check out. I'll keep up with the Cowboys and keep up with the former Georgia players on my phone. Uh, but given the circumstances, I watched, I would say, 70% of the draft. I didn't watch all of, all of Saturday. That's just too much. Um, but, yeah, uh, Thursday and Friday, I was so excited and I got, I got giddy just watching this thing play out. It was so fun. Well, I just mentioned former Georgia players. We're not going to go through all of them, but let's talk about the quarterback, Jake Fromm. He fell all the way to round five, 
pick number 21. That's 167th overall to the Buffalo Bills. Were you surprised to see him picked that late? I wasn't surprised to see him picked in round five. Um, I figured he'd go round four, round five. I even figured round six was a possibility. Uh, the real shock is to the Bills. Um, I don't really – you know, from, you know. I believe it or not, I know quite a few Bills fans. I know that's a hard thing to say down here in Georgia, um, but uh, they are ecstatic about getting him. Though, um, you know, I, I, like I said, I personally don't get it. Is it that they are happy that he didn't go to New England, or is it that? Um, they don't have their full faith in Allen, and they think that really Frog could come in a season or two and really run that offense. Um, either either guests, I I don't know, but uh, you know, for, I mean, for me, it was really surprising. I mean, I thought he was going to go to either the Colts or the Patriots. I did not see him going to the Bills. I don't think out of all the teams that we talked about that he may land at. I mean, we, I think we thought it was more likely that he could go to the Bengals even than the Bills. So, um, that part is surprising. But, you know, maybe they know something we don't. Yeah, I was convinced that he was going to be a Patriot by the end of the weekend. I, I told you that last week. And every time the Patriots circled around on that little uh, tracker on the screen on – Saturday, I was like, okay, here it is. It's time. Call Jake Fromm's name. Let's go get the guy off the board. And they never evicted him. They just kept, you know, a couple times they traded, I think. And, and the know, second and, they picked, well, well, the second they picked a kicker, that was when I was like, okay, they're they're not going with them. Like, I agree. I agree. That's uh, when that's when I started realizing he was not going to be a Patriot. And uh, yeah, I'm surprised it was Buffalo. I, I think they have a need for a backup, but. I, I'm worried about from there because I don't think the coaching is as good there, definitely as it would have been in New England, but possibly even some of the other teams that you, you mentioned yourself just there. I'm, I'm concerned about that. I'm concerned about his development because he still needs – he's got a lot of growing to do. And he's got to prove that he can throw the ball and make every throw in the NFL. At least that's what the, the scouts and the NFL teams and analysts believe. I'm not saying that myself. It's just in their – from their perspectives, he's got a lot left to prove. And I'm not sure Buffalo is the best place to do it, but you never know. You well, know, let's also talk about the fact that, that uh, you know, in Buffalo, uh, they have those uh, lake winds at that stadium where it will gust out of nowhere. And, like, it's a challenge for a quarterback to actually make the long throws at times at that, that stadium. I mean, it's notorious for that. And, uh, you know – that's something that's always been a concern for them is, you know, him overthrowing. I mean, that I mean that right there, you know, throwing into the wind, throwing against the wind, I mean, that can cause a number of issues for him. So, uh, you know, either they saw something or, you know, I, I like I said, I'm I'm with you. I, I just don't I don't get that choice, but at the same time why you know, like I said, anyone I know that's a Bills fan, and there's not really an overlap for me with Bills fans and dog fans. Like usually, my friends who are Bills fans, they're Sooner fans or they're um, right. you know fans for like you know Syracuse or places up north. They they were thrilled with this pick. So, I mean, I, like I said, I'm not an expert on the Bills. I don't know what's going on in Buffalo. Uh, sometimes I honestly think it's Canada, but uh, <laughs> you know, so more power to them, though. Well, let's keep talking about the quarterback situation. Let's shift over to the Green Bay Packers. I think this might have been the, F draft. I think this might have been the biggest headline coming out of Thursday night among you know CD Lamb falling to the Cowboys. They took Jordan Love in round one. And I think that shot everybody. I think I think most people expected maybe they draft a guy who could back up Aaron Rodgers. But they drafted a guy who, outside looking in, they think he's going to replace Aaron Rodgers. 
you know, next year, two years from now, five years from now, whatever the case, however it's going to, however it's going to shake out. Were you surprised by that? And do you think Green Bay should have taken the risk of, number one, giving up a, a skill player who could be used right now today with that pick? And number two, having bringing in the potential for Aaron Rodgers to check out mentally and, you know, not be very, very happy at all. Because we know he doesn't play well with others sometimes. Well, you know, history repeats itself. And it was about this time, this number of years into Brett Favre's career that, uh, you know, they the Packers drafted uh, Aaron Rodgers. So that part isn't too surprising. Uh, the, the main surprise for me is round one. Um, I think that if uh, the Packers don't draft him in round one, uh, Jordan Love's still around for a while. Um, I, don't, I don't think there was really any competition about him. And I think that even if you don't get Jordan Love, uh, you know, there were still plenty of quarterbacks that were just as good um, that could have really held up place and under the tutelage of Rogers been fine. Um, that being said, you know, you, you have to wonder what was going on behind the scenes before this pick happened. I mean, has Rogers been having issues with the Packers? I mean, is he having issues with the ma- management there? Is he having issues with the coaching staff there? Um, have there been talks about him not finishing his career at Green Bay and possibly pulling a Favre as well. Uh, there's a lot that can really be read into with that. And the fact is, you and I, we, we simply don't know. So I'm not going to go out of my way and say that it was a disastrous pick for the Packers because uh, obviously they they know more about the situation than we do. But on the outside looking in, you know, you just took an issue that maybe a lot of people didn't know about, and you have just uh, fans of football in general wanting answers. Yeah, they just introduced a quarterback controversy. And quarterback controversies are never a good thing. Uh, as Georgia fans, we just watched one play out, what, two consecutive years between Jake Fromm, Jacob Beeson, and Jake Fromm, Justin Fields. It's not – you think it's going to work out well because you got two very talented quarterbacks, but there's it's always kind of a black eye, sort of a, a dark cloud hovering over the team. And listen, Aaron Rodgers last year showed signs of decline. He's getting older. The end of his career is within sight. But the guy can still win right now. He is still, in my summation, a top two or three NFL quarterback as far as his skill set and everything goes. He needs help to win right now. Take advantage of a current Super Bowl window, possibly, rather than say, okay, here's our guy for whenever Rodgers decides he doesn't want to play ball anymore with us, and we can either trade him or cut him or release him from his contract, and we'll have a guy ready to go. I don't think that's a risk they should have been taking right now. You're right. We don't know all the inner workings there, but uh, for what it's worth, Rodgers was on the record apparently – on a radio show just a few days before the draft, he expected for them to either get a wide receiver or a running back with that pick. So you gotta imagine he's not. If he if he was if he was blissful before, he probably is not now. So any any issues that might have existed before, they probably just got dialed up to eleven. I think it was a risk, and I'm very very intrigued to see how this plays out. You mentioned the name of the great Brett Favre. I'll, I'll throw this in there, and we can move on if you want. But uh, Favre was – I guess he was on a radio show or in some kind of an interview the last couple of days. And he was asked about it. And as you pointed out, Favre was the exact, in the exact same situation all those years ago as Rodgers is now, with Rodgers getting drafted to eventually replace him. We all know how that turned out. And Favre said, yeah, I think he is – uh, not going to finish his career as a Packer. So if anybody knows how that situation could possibly turn out, it's Brett Favre. So I thought oh, yeah. that spoke volumes, and I, I'm really – I cannot wait really to see what happens with this because I think it is a very combustible possibly situation. Right. Well, I mean, everybody thought that 
Favre was going to be a Falcon, if you remember. <laughs> he was for a hot minute. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, the last thing I'll say about this aspect of it is, um, you know, you look at the Packers last season. Was it really that Rodgers was ever the problem? Um, you know, we talk about the clients, but look at who look at his weapons there right now. I mean, over time, like his weapons are the ones that have diminished. You know, he doesn't have as good a running game. He doesn't have as good of a receiver core. Um, you know, he has one or two people, but you know, it's not like the days of old with the Packers. Um, and even with all that, they were still playoff contenders. Um, you know, he's still considered to be one of the elite five quarterbacks of the NFL. Uh, I mean, heck, look at him in Mahomes on State Farm commercials. I mean, you know, they, they don't do that to someone who's declining. Right. So, um, you know, he, he has plenty of football left in him. Um, and I, I kind of agree with Farm. I don't think he's going to end his career now as a Packer anymore because wh- why would he? Like, they just sort of spit in his face and the thing is you know it all could have been avoided if they just picked him in the second round like like pick a wide receiver somebody in the first round Jordan Love is still probably going to be there in the second round I don't think anyone was in a rush to get that specific quarterback so to me that that was mismanagement and I would even argue that Hey, you can't get Jordan Love. Well, get Jacob Easton at that point. Like he's he's got essentially what the Packers want. So, you know, and you know they are putting a lot of gambling on this on a guy who, quite frankly, may be a bust. Why? Why, why is he proven to us? He's at Utah State, which I mean, yeah, it's semantics. I mean, you look at some of the greatest quarterbacks and where they went, but. You look at, like, for instance, Drew Brees, who went to Purdue. That's still a Big Ten school. You look at Brady. He was at Michigan, a Big Ten school. Uh, You look at Matt Ryan, Boston College, ACC. Utah State isn't really fitting in that category. So, you know, that's just – there's just a lot of different things you can look at, and that's just one of those things. Yeah, it's going to be – uh, intriguing to see what happens both in the immediate and the long term with this situation. So I, I'm glad we're on the same page with that because that's still a huge head scratcher to me. All right, last note about the draft. Do you think the Patriots are setting themselves up to tank in 2020? Because they had a pretty mediocre to bad draft, depending on whose opinion you look at. Does Belichick seem like a tanker to you, though? I think he does if he knows that Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields are going to be available pick number one next year. You think he's going to tank for one of them? I think that's what we're seeing. I I don't think it's any coincidence. This is the most successful franchise in NFL history. Right. Let's, Let's just call it what it is. You and I, we support teams that once had a claim to that. Not anymore. They're, they didn't get there by accident. And I, I don't think what we saw last weekend was an accident either. I think they're saying we're fine with Jarrett Stidham for now. I think unless we see them go scoop up Cam Newton, we already know Jameis Winston's off the board. We'll talk about him in a moment. Unless they scoop up a Cam Newton – or they scoop up a recently released Andy Dalton and magically turn him into a, a capable quarterback. He's elite. What are they going to do this year? Because I, I think their defense is still going to be very strong and everything, but they don't have a quarterback. Jarrett Stidham is not an NFL quarterback, and Brian Hoyer, he's he's a career backup. So to me, yes, I think they're. I think we're seeing them. Lay the lay the groundwork for a for a tank twenty twenty season, and I think they are gunning for Trevor Lawrence next year. That's a bold prediction for me. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I can I can see it, but uh, even even with Stidham at the helm, um, 
I mean, they, they're still not going to be the worst team in the league. They, they're not even going to be in the bottom five. Um, I mean, you know, middle of the road at worst. I mean, this is still the New England Patriots. Uh, they still have the core players that they need. Uh, their defense is still just, uh, I don't know what you would call it, a legendary. Uh, they still have, you know, good receivers with Edelman. Uh, they still got the run game with Michelle. Um, you know, I think that even with Stidham at the helm, they're, they're still potentially a playoff team. Now, are they a Super Bowl team? No. No. Are they a playoff team? Absolutely. So, for me, it's, it's a stretch to say that they'll do that now. You know, I, I would say, I would argue that more than likely, uh, they got plenty of money. Uh, maybe they invest in trading a couple of players and um, they invest in maybe giving several draft picks away in order to have a number one or a number two spot in the first round. And then at that point, uh, they do get Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields because, you know, at that point they, they didn't have their pick of, you know, well, you know, we'll take one or the other. We don't care. Uh, obviously, they could give a lot less and take number two. Uh, especially if number two is not looking for a quarterback. So I think that would be a more likely scenario. Belichick just doesn't seem like a tanker to me. And if he was, I mean, they would – you'd have so many unhappy Patriot players at that point who would then want to either follow Brady or go elsewhere because, you know, they're competitors. They're not really fans of, like, doing that. No, I was about to bring up the, the trading picks too. I think that I think that's how they get to number one or number two. But I think part of the equation is gonna be they, they tank and get a top ten pick. That way they've got a little bit, you know, nicer stuff they could offer as far as draft picks and a trade. It's a lot easier for a team to say, Yes, I will give up my number one pick if you got number five or six or seven or eight or nine or ten. If they finish like the Patriots are accustomed to finishing, they ain't going to have a pick within that top ten. So, I don't – no, they're too good. You just laid it all out. They are too talented to finish, you know, bottom bottom five of the league, bottom four of the league. But I do think – I don't think it's any coincidence what we saw last weekend. And I think it's setting the stage for them to position themselves to potentially make that trade that you just kind of laid out there. I just – I got that gut feeling when they kept passing on quarterbacks the other night, that was exactly what I thought was going to happen. They're, they're, they're getting themselves prepared for 2021's draft. Yeah, the one or the one I would see is more likely would be Pittsburgh. I could see Pittsburgh trying to do it. And I think Pittsburgh has enough problems with their team right now that they could do that and very easily get Lawrence – or uh, fields, and deep down, I kind of hope it's what they do. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I love me. Like, like I said, I mean, you, you make good points, but I think it doesn't matter if you are six, seven, eight overall. I mean, if you're looking at a potential franchise player, I mean, you're you're taking a gamble, really, by that. You know, and you're hoping that Cincinnati just has a crappy year yet again because obviously they're not going to pick a quarterback at that point, and maybe you can talk them into it a lot cheaper than, say, uh, a Pittsburgh who will need a quarterback or um, if Tennessee were to tank, someone like that, you know, like obviously uh, they're going to have a lot more riding on having a good quarterback to draft, whereas – a team like Cincinnati, if they tank, they're they're good for now. I don't know. We'll see. I, I think uh, I think Bill Belichick is an evil genius. So who knows what he's got up his sleeve? But I, I do think there's a potential for them to, you know, intentionally do some things to try to get that to get a top pick, top two or three pick next year. 
All right, one quick note, non-draft related. I think last week we came here and discussed the Rob Gronkowski trade, and I believe you and I both assumed that that meant the end of O.J. Howard's time in Tampa. Not so fast, my friend. Uh, we learned earlier this week that they picked up his fifth-year option. My gut tells me, and, and I don't know, you don't have to re, you know, respond to this if you don't want to, but my gut tells me they probably did that to ensure they've got a tight end in the event that Rob Gronkowski gets hurt. He's got a history of that. So I thought that was interesting. We were, we were dead wrong about that. I, I can't remember if you said it, but I know I did. Well, the other thing is, uh, would, would you be surprised if Tampa did a double tight end set sometimes? Well, that's true, but you, you usually don't have two expensive tight ends. That's the thing. So, and he had a pretty me- mediocre 2020 season. So. Right, but, but think about this, all right? You're, you're the defense of the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> not, not, not that their defense matters. Um, but, okay, you got Evans, Mike Evans. You got Godwin, you've got Gronk, and you got O.J. Howard. Who is defending who on that play? No, I totally agree with that, yeah. yeah. But it's just that's not tradition of the NFL. You don't usually have two, you know, high-dollar tight ends. Well, you know, traditionally in the NFL, you also don't have a player leave a dynasty to go to what is historically, if you look at records, the worst team in NFL history. That is true, too. (laughs) All right. Well, last thing, and then we'll get out of here. There was a pretty major development outside of the draft. Jameis Winston has a new home, and I don't think it's a team anybody expected. He's in New Orleans now. He's with the Saints. He's going to be backing up Drew Brees and competing for that number two spot with Taysom Hill. What do you think about this? Because he took a massive pay cut. He's earning next to nothing, at least compared to his contemporaries. What is your what is your take on Jameis going to the Big East? Um, you know what? It, it's, it's a smart pick by the Saints, really, if you think about it. Um, a lot of people are going to say that was an idiotic call by them. But look at what happened last season. Breeze went out early. They had a veteran quarterback behind them who kept the team running. I think he had one loss the entire time that he was quarterback. And, you know, they, they took that time for a breeze to get better. And they had, you know, it, it's a smart call. I don't think anyone here imagines that in three, or, you know, in two or three seasons, the starting quarterback for the New Orleans Saints is going to be Jameis Winston. We, we know that's just simply not going to happen. But uh, it's, you know, good for them to have a really solid backup that, you know, if, if, you're, if Breeze gets out, uh, you can still keep the machine going and you can still make sure you're not throwing away your playoff opportunity. That way, when Breeze gets better, he can deliver. Um, and, you know, I think the best case scenario for Winston, he stays behind there a couple years. Uh, you know, Breeze retires. Uh, he he is a starter for a year while they figure out who they're going to get next. Um, but yeah, I mean, long term, obviously, he's not he's not going to be their franchise quarterback or anything like that. I don't know about that. I, I think uh, I think it's no coincidence that he signed basically for a six pack of coats. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it, it was, no, no, we, we don't we don't have none of them crab legs over here in New Orleans. <laughs> um, you know, you crawl that country. You know, we gotta go there. I, I'll teach you. You know how you crawl that? <laughs> no. He, listen, he 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 could have made a lot more money elsewhere. Well, yeah. And it sounds like your your Steelers tried to get him, and he said no. I think that's. I think there are multiple reasons for that. For Jameis. He, first of all, gets to learn from one of the most brilliant coaches of the last 30 years, Sean Payton. He gets to learn behind a first ballot Hall of Famer in Drew Brees, the most, in my opinion, the most underrated quarterback in the, probably the history of the NFL, certainly in the modern NFL. Underrated? I mean, I think he's, he's praised. I, I don't – I think he is whenever it's time to check off another record, but I think when you're having – the GOAT discussion, he doesn't get brought up enough. He's not the GOAT. I'm not saying that. Anyway, that's not what we're discussing. <laughs> but 
it makes all the sense in the world for Jameis. He's got his vision corrected. Now he can really absorb what it takes to make it in the NFL. For the Saints, as you very well pointed out, they lost Tate Bridgewater, who, and, and let's not shortchange it, it's not like he beat a bunch of crappy teams. He right. helped stop a red-hot Dallas Cowboys team dead in its tracks. Dallas went to the Saints, went to New Orleans, and lost there, and they were never the same. They don't win that game unless they've got a quarterback the caliber of Teddy Bridgewater playing. So, yes, they needed a, a legitimate backup for Drew Brees in case he does get hurt. He's an older guy now. Taysom Hill's not the guy. He's not somebody that you want to trust in the event that you have Brees out for an extended period, as we saw in 2020. And you still have options for Hill, too. It's not like yeah. he's not playing at all. Right, exactly. So it just makes all the sense in the world. And I think there is great potential for Jameis to be there long term. I I get the criticisms of Jameis. We're not going to talk about off the field because that's a whole separate discussion. But, you know, you, you make fun of his 30 touchdown, 30 pick season. He still threw 30 touchdowns. It's not bad. The, the 30 picks are what he needs to clean up. And he, he's doing two things that's going to help that. He can see now, finally, and he's going to be with the best coaching staff he's ever seen. So, and one of those defenses he won't be, or one of those defenses he'll be throwing to twice a year is Tampa Bay. Yeah, in Atlanta, that'll probably help him too. In Atlanta, so yeah. I think I think they are going to well, get. Him, I think they're going to get him prepared to take the reins from Drew Brees whenever he retires. They sign him to a long-term deal there. They pay him and make up for not paying him now. That's what I think is going to happen, unless, of course, they have a, a huge falling out or everything. But right now, today, I think that's their master plan. I really do. I think, I think Jameis has a long-term potential in the NFL, period. A lot of people seem to disagree with that. But I also think he's got a long-term potential in New Orleans. Well, we'll just have to agree to disagree on that one. <laughs> And you know what? We've both eaten plenty of crow before. I'm sure we will oh, yeah. at some point here on this. One of us will. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode. We appreciate everybody tuning in. Thanks for uh, listening to our recap of the draft and the new NCAA rules that are hopefully coming up. Uh, hopefully we'll be back here next week. It's going to depend on what kind of, Sporting news takes place. It's kind of a slow period right now. We'll see. And uh, whenever we come back, we hope you join us. Indeed. Thank you for listening to Any Given Friday, the official podcast of Lake Country Sports. Check back next week for another brand new episode.